Get your day started right. This is VOC Breakfast with Gulam Fakir and Sabira Sheikh Only on the Voice of the Cape. Welcome back to breakfast. It's gone 16 minutes after the hour of 7 o'clock now. South Africa, as you've heard in the news bulletin with Tasnim earlier, has now surpassed 1 million cases of COVID-19 with 9,000 new cases reported yesterday. The health department reported 240 COVID-19 related deaths with a whopping 122, 123 deaths in the Eastern Cape alone. We know that President Cyril Ramaphosa is expected to meet with the National Command Council this weekend. In fact, apparently that took place yesterday, which more restrictions could be on the cards. The MGC issued a statement yesterday calling for the temporary closure of Masajid in light of the surge in COVID-19 cases. Head of the Fatwa Department, Mufti Taha Kran, chats to us now. Mufti, Islam alaikum and shukran so much for your time this morning on Breakfast 91.3 FM. Malina, obviously this is not an, uh, always an easy decision to close the masjid, but certainly a necessary one, don't you think? Especially, I mean, you have consulted with your medical experts this weekend. Take us through some of the recommendations. Yes, uh, before we speak about the closure of the masjid, specifically with the masjid in general, uh, we have to say that we have to preface that with the closure or the cessation of all other social activities before the masajid. Uh, the masajid certainly can play a certain role in spreading the virus. But alhamdulillah, many of our masajid up to now have been adhering to protocols. Um, and uh, I think it's a fact uh, to say that uh, the other unbridled social activities within our community, uh, the weddings, the vehicles, the, the, the haddads, the uh, just family gatherings in general, the galleries, whatever it might be, those have been the main fuelers of, of, uh, of the spread that we see right now. Yeah. So therefore we say that our statement in our fatwa is aimed not specifically at masajid as such, uh, but at all, at the entire range of uh, social activities that we have. However, back to your question specifically. The question is um, the consultations that we've had. So from the very beginning uh, of this crisis, it has been our policy that we will not act alone uh, in making calls and uh, issuing fatawa. This is a matter in which uh, Sharia has to converge uh, with medical um, advice before we do anything. So we've had a number of... uh, well-known physicians in our community, Dr. Salim Parker, Dr. Zamir Bray, Dr. Sadiq uh, Karim, uh, Dr. Ishaq Date, uh, a number of uh, uh, well-known persons in our community, doctors, that have been advising us from the beginning and up to the present day. Uh, when we started seeing the present surge, you know, there was a time when uh, a second wave was something that was just spoken of as historically having happened with the Spanish flu in 1918. And uh, in the back of our minds, there was this hope, uh, hoping against hope that it will not happen. But uh, this is a natural pattern, and things uh, assume these proportions. So obviously, this is the way that it has happened. Spanish flu happened in three ways. We had the first wave, we had the second wave that was twice, twice as bad as it, and uh, then there was a little third wave thereafter as well. So chances were that we were also going to face a second wave. But we were hoping against hope that it wouldn't happen. And then it started happening in Europe. It started happening in America. And so we continued hoping that it will not happen. But uh, we could not have been even closely as disciplined as, for example, the people in New Zealand were. New Zealand, they've only had 25 deaths for the entire crisis thus far. We've had like uh, a thousand times more already. 
So we could not be as disciplined and eventually the inevitable happened. When it started happening, uh, we were then waiting for the call from the doctors. Uh, at which moment will it come that they will ask us that we have to now start taking steps? And this happened about two or three days ago when the first phone call came through. Um, and very humbly and very professionally, the doctors asked for a meeting uh, in which they will have to put these uh, facts to us. Um, as they did in the first instance. Indeed. Uh, that meeting then. Sorry? Just to, to, to move along and to understand, in terms of you've alluded to the fact that, you know, South Africans, we've seen the government coming through with regulations and the need for these regulations, because many a time we've seen, seen especially within our communities, that we cannot self-regulate. And why we're asking is because, you know, Many a time, like you mentioned, you know, these social gatherings, um, be it the weekly thickers or even on Sundays, you know, the Sunday family lunches. And now we've come to a point where we've actually said to friends and family, you know what, we're not going to partake anymore. And many a time we're faced with, you know, um, unfortunately, um, you know, offense being taken. So in, in, in context, you know, what is the responsibility that's now being placed upon the Muslim community during this pandemic? I think that uh, the, at this moment we cannot speak of potential negative con- consequences any longer. The consequences are real and they're actually in front of our eyes. The correlations are very clear. These are the events that are fueling these, uh, 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 these dire consequences that are already happening. We're not speaking about them going to happen. So under such circumstances, it becomes a personal responsibility of every Muslim. Our dean teaches, do not harm yourself, do not harm anyone else. And if I should be given the next hour, we can continue speaking and quoting hadith and ayat from the Quran uh, upon the fact that all of which we converge upon the fact that it is the personal responsibility of every Muslim and the collective responsibility of Muslims together to understand that they have to mend their ways if they are going to do anything to to curb the spread of the virus. It, therefore, we haven't waited for government uh, mm. pronouncement and government dictates in this particular regard. It is a personal responsibility of ourselves as Muslims. Our Sharia demands, uh, our law, our deen demands, before anything else, our deen demands that we do take these steps. Uh, so it is in that spirit that we have reached out to the community now and say that do not wait for the president to speak. Do not wait for lockdown to come. This is something that we have to do from working ourselves. And, and something more importantly, that we will be responsible for in front of Allah Ta'ala. Now, Marlena, um, just before we, we let you go, uh, we have had reports before, you know, of a certain massage mm. that is perhaps still not following just the, the, the general protocol of COVID-19. And I see. And then there were, you know, with, yeah. there were massages that actually implemented it 100 percent, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but for those who are still going to co- perhaps continue, Marlena, there, surely there has to be some uh, control there as well. Most certainly they have to be. Um, I must reiterate what you said, that certain masajid have done wonderfully in this regard. And others leave us very, very disappointed. It stems from an idea that, you know, my religion demands that I do not adopt any sort of protocols. I want to emphasize the fact that our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in his own personal examples, showed us so many instances where he led the way in adopting, in adopting precaution. 
against contagious diseases. A person came to him, a leper came to him uh, for the purpose of giving bay'ah, uh, of giving the pledge of allegiance. He would held his hand. Normally, he would take the person's hand. He would held his hand and said, you can, you can go back. We don't have to touch your hand. It's fine. This is one of several instances. The one single incident, which is always held up as an example of seeing see that the Islam did not adopt uh, precaution. That incident is in fact declared to be a weak and defective narration by, by the, the muhaddithin. Mm. So we find numerous examples, numerous examples, some of which we are compiling into a book, the Ahadith, uh, and the commentary on those Ahadith right now, just to give the idea to the people that this is a religious obligation, a religious teaching. One of the tenets of our faith is to adopt uh, uh, such protocols. Yeah. So those masajid where it's not happening, there's a lack of understanding and a misinformation. Unfortunately, in numerous parts of our country, this kind of misinformation is running wild and unbridled, a complete distortion of what our Sharia teaches. Yeah. The, to, to adopt uh, precautionary measures is not against the Sharia is really much part and parcel of the Sharia. Right. Now, Malina, lastly, just before I let you go, we've also seen a video being circulated, you know, um, on behalf of the leadership of the Muslim Judicial Council, calling on everybody to um, what they term the white days of fasting, Malina, which is today, tomorrow and Wednesday. Yes, uh, slightly unrelated thing, uh, but it could be connected as well. Uh, the fasting on the white days, that's middle days of the, of, of the lunar month, are a good thing in general. Under these circumstances, it becomes even more emphasized as a means for us to collectively uh, place ourselves under the mercy of Allah Ta'ala and ask Allah Ta'ala to raise this, this bala from us as soon as possible. And, I, and, and if, anything has, if anything has a chance, it will be dua in front of Allah Ta'ala. Inshallah. I mean, Malina Takran, Mufti of the Muslim Judicial Council. Shukran so much for your time this morning and all of the very best, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.